we flip the page to another week. It is Monday, April 6th. This is SEC football and beyond. Let's hope that this um, podcast finds you in safe uh, surroundings with your family. Uh, We know uh, this continues to be a very difficult time for everyone, uh, and it is uh, certainly um, very tragic, and the news seems to get worse and worse every day, and uh, we uh, hope and pray again that everyone is heeding the advice of the medical professionals and uh, knowing that we will get through this one day, but certainly it looks like more rough times are ahead. Um, No updates on where things are. We're going to get into a couple of things that are going on right now around uh, the SEC and college football and some of the talk. Um, I don't know that we can advance. Certainly not going to be able to give you any inside information about whether we're going to play football or not. That's what everybody wants to know. No one knows that. Uh, And anybody that's telling you they talk to this, everybody is taking their information from the medical expert. So we're going to get into it a little bit more here as the show gets along. But we've got some news to talk about a little bit around the SEC. Guys, uh, what's going on with some of the teams are doing at this point to try to get through a very unusual uh, offseason without spring practice. We also – We do have some updates on NFL draft discussions. We're going to get into some breakdowns of Andrew Thomas and Frederick Wills. Um, Transfer portal information. A little bit of recruiting news, and we're going to get into some discussions about some of the players that are coming back in the SEC next year and guys that break out players, players that um, you need to know about, you need to be aware about, that are going to have – Huge impacts in this football season. Uh, and again, uh, assuming at this point, until we hear otherwise, we will uh, hopefully have one. Uh, also, got a couple of questions that have been sent in. Kevin and Nick, we're going to get to those as well. All brought to you by the great folks at 401k Generation bringing you this podcast. The experts in money management, investment inquiries, financial planning, you name it. You know, everyone is uh, begrudging the market and the difficulties. The market will come back. Understanding when and how it will come back is what these guys do. And how to manage and take advantage of the market in its current state. All things that you can learn from Eddie Rojas and his crew at 401k Generation. Uh license in all 50 states so they can help you regardless of where you're listening to this podcast in the continental united states 1-866-998-5879 the number to reach out to them 1-866-998-5879 give them a text give them a call tell them that you heard about them from us we wanted to say hello and learn more about them you can always encourage you to make sure that you sign up if you are not. We hope that if you're listening to this, you're getting it to you in your phone each and every day, this show, as well as the Pro Football Show. 
But if you're not, uh, you can go ahead and sign up for it at uh, Landry Football's conference call. Uh, it's where you can uh, sign up for this podcast as well as the pro one. It'll get to you right there. And lastly, want to remind you, and most importantly, about LandryFootball.com. Um, look, we we talk about a lot of stuff each and every day. We hope we inform you with a lot of information. Got a lot more of that at LandryFootball.com. In our notebooks every day, we've got our draft boards up. You can get all the information, get prepared for the draft, learn more about these players than ever before by becoming a member of LandryFootball.com. And you can get it at the best price we've ever offered, less than $5 a month. That's it. That's correct. Less than $5 a month if you take advantage of the year membership. And uh, that is uh, the scouting season offer. Take advantage of it today and get your own scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. So the latest information, checking in with the uh, Nick Saban in Alabama um, tells me that he is still continuing to go to work in every day. He does go to work. Um, The rest of the coaches are at home. They still have a 7 a.m. meeting with the coaching staff. They do it via Zoom. So someone sets it up for him to where he can see and talk the game plan of the day and to go over the issues that need to be handed um, during that day. Um, And the fact that they have no spring practice to evaluate is they'd be wrapping up spring practice and really working on that. They're spending the extra time on looking ahead to this year's opponents and spending time on that. So they're using, uh, they're still working. They're just working on a little bit different things than they normally do at this time. Um, the players, um, you know, um, are, are being given directives from their new athletic trainer. In fact, there is uh, Apple Watches. I confess I know nothing about it, uh, but they're Apple Watches that the players get that helps them with their workouts. They, the, they're set up in their workouts, and the apps help to monitor what the players are doing, the strength coach can. The director of sports medicine, Jeff Allen, is, um, is the one that can access the information. And uh, now the SEC is looking at uh, certain compliance issues, making sure that – uh, within lines, whatever the on the cutting edge, um, whatever that is, uh, they certainly are always on it. So um, that's kind of what folks are doing right now. And and certainly um, online, you can see what a player is doing, see that he completed it. You know, you don't know um, how serious they're taking, what type of shape. I mean, those are the type of things you can't see. Uh, these are different times. These are um, – and, look, no one has any inside information. I know there was news this weekend as President Trump spoke with the, on Saturday, the, um, the commissioners of all the major sports, pro sports, 
and express that there's, you know, expect there to be a football season, so on and so forth. We all know Trump doesn't know. And if you listen every day, it's, you know, he he thought we'd be all sitting together holding hands at uh, Easter Mass, and he was wrong on that. Um, the medical experts are driving this, uh, certainly are making sure that he doesn't fall step and do anything that's um, going to set us back further. But who knows what's happening? You know, who knows where the future is? We don't know, and I think certainly all we can do is hope that in the current state, day by day, we can get better and better. It looks like, as I said to start the show, that um, it's going to get worse here in the next week or so until it gets better. So we'll see, and certainly the president will take his directive from the medical folks and uh, hoping and praying for, first of all, that things get better to the point where we can go back to some sense of normalcy, and that would include having a football season where you know, we could see further enough down the road being just April um, that it would get better. You know, if you think about it, as I'm taping this show, it was just a month ago that we had, I think, like 300 cases in the country and 11 deaths. We're now over 9,000 deaths. It's incredible in one month and the next two weeks are going to be the worst yet you know holy mother of god if we we can only hope to get through this and get better but we don't have the answers on where this is going how quickly we've got time i guess time is on our side um we're certainly not in the same, you know, period as spring sports or basketball or hockey or baseball where, you know, their season is kind of just melting away, melting away. You know, we're looking at the possibility of at least getting a football season in both college and the NFL level. You know, my feeling is – that likely will mirror one another. But there's no doubt that the NFL has a better chance than the college game of getting going because there's going to be some resistance. They're not going to play college football if kids can't go back to campus. That much we know. And uh, I think that's that's going to be something that I'll stand firm on and believe that that's what's going to happen. So we'll see. Nobody has any particular details or inside information. Uh, getting into some draft news, um, you've broken down Jerry Judy quite a bit here and talking about his pros and cons as a player. Uh, there's no doubt playing out the slot. He was better against his own in man coverage. He averaged 12.1 yards per pass attempt. When he was targeted against man, he averaged only 5.5 yards. He was a safe, quick bailout option, and obviously a lot of talent around him uh, that contributed to these numbers. Um, there is, this time of year, 
lot of misinformation on purpose given. The Dolphins, I can tell you, have some people in their organization that prefer Justin Herbert to Tua. Be interesting to see how this will play out, but there's absolutely a strong indication that the Dolphins are going to take a quarterback and would like to move up, and we'll see. Maybe they'll stay there, and maybe they'll chances of getting one will be there. We'll see how this plays out. Some transfer portal information. Former Kentucky redshirt sophomore cornerback Stanley Garner is transferred to Hampton. Garner is part of the recruiting class um, for the um, uh, for Hampton in February. Left the Wildcats program back in October. 6'1", 186. Played in six games before announcing he was transferring. He can play immediately going down that level. Three years eligibility of rem- remaining. Um, same thing with LSU redshirt sophomore. Um, Keenan Jones is transferring to Nichols. Nichols State, and uh, actually it's Nichols, no longer Nichols State, but Nichols is in Thibodeau, Louisiana, and uh, Coach Rebo's done a very good job getting a lot of transfers there. Um, four star, Former four-star recruit going there, mostly on special teams, played at LSU, um, converted from receiver. He's going to really have a chance to help out the Colonels. Mississippi State redshirt sophomore Fabian Lovett, the defensive tackle announced he's entering the transfer portal, 6'3", 315. One of the players who was uh, critical of Mississippi State's Mike Leach's tweets that depicted an elderly woman knitting a noose. The defender appeared in only four games last year. So um, in his two years at the school, he was credited with 19 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss and a sack. And if he does indeed transfer, he'll need a waiver to play right away. It goes to a question that Kevin asked. He asked about – he mentioned that he's bothered by Mike Leach. Man's smart enough to get a law degree. And he says, but he can be grossly negligent and insensitive with his Twitter account. He's talking about how anybody with a modicum of historical knowledge should know that making jokes about lynching – the backdrop of Mississippi is strictly forbidden. Um, it says that the meme was jackly about domestic abuse, which is something that is in a different world uh, of acceptance now or lack thereof. So he wanted to get my thoughts on any disciplinary action. I don't think there'll be any disciplinary action, but I will say this. This is part of kind of what... Mike Leach is. He's, for all of his intelligence, and you, we all know people who are very, very intelligent that lack common sense. Mike is one of those guys. Um, he puts his foot in his mouth, and he's going to learn that when you do that in Lubbock, Texas, and in Pullman, Washington, not a whole lot of people pay attention. And Mississippi State's not Alabama or LSU, but it's still in the SEC. And he's going to get more attention than it ever, than he ever has in his past. 
So if he continues to make stupid comments, comments that he thinks are innocuous and nothing bad, he's going to get himself in hot water in this regard. He's made a couple of statements, political statements, that, you know, look, if you want to put your political beliefs out there, and they're in direct contrast to what a lot of your players and recruits that you're recruiting, what their beliefs are and what their parents' beliefs are, good luck handling yourself in recruiting. You do whatever you want. But I think he's going to find out, and I think everybody, as I said when they hired him, everybody's excited about my brilliant this and that. I think he's way in over his head. And I don't think what he did had any ill intention. He's just one of these guys that's goofy, and he says things without really ill intent, just doesn't have a lot of social ability to react. Oh, and some people say, oh, yeah, he speaks his mind. I like him. Now, when you speak your mind and you make good points, that's one thing. When you just lack common sense and you say stupid things, it's not all that impressive. So it's my thoughts on that. Um, some recruiting news of the week. Denzel Burke. Uncommitted four-star receivers announced his top ten schools. Um, Ohio State's in it. LSU's in it. And that's the only SEC. And Auburn's in it. That's the only two SEC schools. Oregon, Washington, Texas, Arizona State, Nebraska, USC, and Colorado. It's one of the best athletes in the country. And we'll see. Uh, That's just down to ten, so a long way to go for him. Four-star quarterback Caden Salter released his top 11 list Saturday. Auburn, Tennessee, Arkansas, Ole Miss were all the SEC schools um, on his list. He took unofficial visits to Auburn, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Georgia Tech earlier this spring before the visit shutdowns took place. But also on his list are Baylor, Michigan State, Kansas, um, Arkansas. Uh, Did I mention Arkansas? Arkansas and uh, Georgia Tech, Louisville and Utah, and UCLA are all the other remaining um, contenders for the Cedar Hill, Texas native, one of the top 250 overall prospects in the 2020 class. Uh, Let's take a look at, shall we, before we get into a couple of the the, uh, prospects. Actually, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills, who I think are intriguing offensive tackle prospects. Uh, Then I want to get into some guys that are coming back that I think are going to be really good players. But Andrew Thomas is is such a rock-solid tackle, plug-and-play, powerfully built um, player, terrific initial quickness out of his stance and pass protection, plays with good balance, good patience, long arm, powerful hands, really good hand placement, good technician, uh, more efficient than flashy athleticism, uh, labors a little bit onto the second level, uh, lacks great foot speed, change of direction there. Um, 
a little bit more man man blocking scheme fit than zone blocking scheme, but um, he's a bigger version of a Russell Olcom. I mean, it's kind of what he is. It's kind of how he plays. Um, that's kind of what his what his skill set is. I think the um, you know the other guys a little bit of a Ronnie Stanley type player. I, I think he's a plug and play guy. I think you can line up and play with him at left tackle. You can play right tackle, but I think he's not a flashy guy, but a solid guy that's just going to be outstanding. Jedrick Wills is another 29-game starter. Great anticipation. He's done just such a really good job with that Alabama program. He does a great job of locating and eliminating linebackers onto the second level. Does a good job switching off on combo blocks and reaction to blitzes and protection. Powerful physically um, run blocker, much more athletic than stocky, impressive functional quickness to protect the edge against speed rushers, well-schooled footwork technically sound, lacks elite, uh, elite height and length, get himself in a little bit of trouble when he winds up his hands, but, you know, it's really um, sometimes when he does that he, he's – vulnerable to counters and swim moves, but rare combination of power, functional quickness, technique. Um, it's a little bit of Morgan Moses type of frame, uh, but but really physical player. I think both these guys are plug-and-play players that uh, if you look at the top tackles in this draft, you've got Mackay Becton and you got a Tristan Wirfs and you got these two guys. And these two guys are probably the most sound. Worfs is as well, and I would put him in that category. But I think that Thomas and Wills are a little bit better at being able to stay out at tackle. I think Worfs, with his short arms, may have to move inside to guard. Um, Makai Becton has a little bit more upside, but not as sound, not as you know ready to play immediately at this stage. <clears throat> we'll get into some more guys again. You got anybody you want me to address? Outside the SEC, send me a question over at LandryFootball.com. Uh, let me ask, answer this question that Nick has, too. He um, says, it seems that the relationship between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban has become a little strained, and is this because of the ultra-competitive nature of coaching in the SEC or is it simply because of Kirby hiring away Scott Cochran? Well, Nick, this has happened a lot long before the Scott Cochran move. The, the relationship was strained the minute Kirby Smart left <clears throat> Alabama to go to Georgia. Um, story goes that when Kirby Smart left Alabama, he took a cell phone photo of Alabama's draft room, and he kind of used that on the recruiting trail at Georgia to tell kids, here's where you stack on their recruiting board. He used that to try to flip some kids in that direction, which is – not ideally what you want to do in that situation. But in a doggy dog world of recruiting, that's contributed to it. Look, um, Kirby and Nick are recruiting against one another an awful lot. Kirby was the key Georgia recruiter when he was at Alabama, and now a lot of those guys are going to Georgia. And it's taken a dent out of Alabama. There's no question about it. 
Um, so this move of Scott Cochran um, was just the latest of the line of the problem. It just kind of put fuel on the fire that's already there. Now, Scott Cochran was a valued strength coach. Um, what's a little bit interesting in this is that I don't think that Scott Cochran has great value at this stage as a special teams coach. In fact, it's an unknown commodity of what he can be there, but he's very valuable as a strength coach at Alabama. And so, therefore, you know, it's a big – it's a loss for Alabama, and, I, you know, we'll see how much of a positive it is for Georgia. But that's, that's kind of where the story took off with Kirby and Nick, and there's been some other things along the way that's taken place in recruiting and – the normal negativity as regards to the recruiting world that that tends to happen. So that's the story there. Wanted to get into some guys that I think uh, are going to be interesting. I've been asked a lot about speaking of Georgia, Jamie Newman. What is he? And you know, I've mentioned several times, six three, two hundred thirty pounder, very impressive at Wake Forest. Watched him a lot there, studied him a lot. I've mentioned this several times during the season. Nothing to do with – had no idea at that point that he was going to end up at Georgia. But that he graded out the first half of last year in the ACC, he was the midseason all-ACC quarterback. He actually graded out better than Trevor Lawrence. Not as talented as Trevor Lawrence. Not going to be drafted where Trevor Lawrence is going to be drafted. But he actually functionally graded out better better than Trevor Lawrence did in the first half of last season. Now, that changed, and Trevor ended up grading up better as the full season ended. And a lot of that had to do with Jamie's struggles went hand-in-hand with the fact that they had a lot of injuries at receiver, and that passing game at Wake Forest just went kaput. But he's a very talented guy. He's got dual-threat capabilities. They didn't have much of a deep passing attack last year at Georgia, but with Newman, he's a second only to Joe Burrow on 20-plus throws last year. So I think he has a chance to take this Georgia offense um, to new heights, and we'll see if that takes place. LSU sophomore cornerback Derek Stingley, been asked a lot about him. I, I think he and Jamar Chase are the best defense and offensive players returning for LSU last year. Uh, from last year's team. I think that Derek Stingley's the best corner in the country. He's a superstar. I think he's going to be a first-round pick in the 2022 draft, um, barring something unforeseen happening. Some other guys that I think are interesting, though, um, keep an eye out on Kentucky senior corner Brandon Eccles transferred to Kentucky without much fanfare, fanfare, was moved from receiver to corner, started 11 of 13 games for the Wildcats last year, led the team with nine pass breakups and fourth with 52 tackles. Um, he's one of the 10 best press man corners in college football where he's allowed just eight catches on 23 targets for 93, 99 yards. Excellent uh, in contesting balls, 6'1", 175. It's one of the best returners in the SEC as well. So um, keep an eye out on him this year. Um, Around the conference, or excuse me, out of the conference but in the region, Alabama 
Birmingham redshirt junior defensive end Jordan Smith is one of the best returning edge defenders, certainly in the G5 levels. A former Florida defender who transferred to junior college after his involvement in the credit card scam in 2017. Then he moved on to Alabama Birmingham. Very impressive. Eight sacks, 14 tackles for losses. The highest run defense grade among players at his position, making him one of two edge rushers who recorded a run in defense and pass defensive grade above the 90 percentile. An impressive 6'7", 250-pound guy. He's an intriguing guy. He's probably the best defender in Conference USA. Um, really impressive young guy, and I encourage you to keep an eye out for him. Florida, it's sophomore career Elam. 6'2", 187, was not a full-time player for the Gators during his freshman season, but still was impressive. He didn't miss a single tackle or allow a touchdown, and passes thrown to him were completed just 10 of 23 times. He's going to be a starter whenever the season gets started. His size is impressive. Freshman uh, campaign is certainly going to keep him high on draft radars and beyond. Um, Mac Jones, is he going to get the starting job at Alabama? Bryce Young going to get the job eventually? Who knows? We'll say this, in breaking down tape of Mac Jones, the redshirt sophomore really struggled on throws 0 to 10 yards down the field. He was strong on throws behind the line of scrimmage and on deeper throws, but when it got to that 0 to 10 yards, wasn't as effective. Two touchdowns, two interceptions on 44 throws, just 59% completion percentage. Um, you know, the the sample size is not real big. Um there's some good defense on those plays, but a little bit slow recognition, um, you know, and he doesn't get the ball out as quick. And so we'll see. Still got good receivers. Won't have four elite proven receivers returning, but they've got two great ones returning. That's going to be the interesting thing is can Mac Jones speed up the process of his delivery. It's going to be pivotal for him to improve in that stat. Georgia senior defensive end Malik Herring really stood out against the run in the pass. Um, while he's seen mostly rotational work in Georgia to this point, look for an expanded role in 2020. 6'3", 280, post an average um, uh, depth of tackle, 1.17 yards against the run while logging a hearty 41 pressures as a pass rusher. Uh, over at Auburn, um, Roger McCreary's ball skills at corner was exceptional. Uh, consistently forced tight coverage. Hardly lost the ball at the catch point. Six feet, 188. Uh, again, redshirt sophomore. Uh, could be could be one of the top, if not the top, returning player for Auburn's defense. I posted a coverage grade of over 80% last year. 36 tackles and interception, tied, tied uh, nine passes defended. McCreary's really, really ready to kind of take the bull by the horns next year, I think. Over at Arkansas, not much was positive last year, but sophomore wide receiver Trelon Burks um, might be the best guy returning for them. He's 6'3", 223, He's able to show some big playability in his freshman year, graded out over 70% for the year. Um you know, his drop rate was was uh, was pretty low. Um, caught nine deep passes, so he was able to track the ball and do a good job 
Um, I think he's got a chance to be a breakout candidate if they can get that pass game going. With Felipe Franks, I'm not sure that's the answer, but certainly if the quarterback plays up to speed, I think Traylon Burks can really surprise some folks um, that may not be as familiar with Arkansas uh, football. Alabama senior Devontae Smith, uh, you know, he's as good as any player they got returning for them. Um, just unbelievable. Obviously, Ruggs and, and, uh, and Judy are gone, but um, – uh, you know, Waddle has been impressive. Waddle returns, and um, we'll see. You know, but I think Devontae Smith is just outstanding, and he's put up a lot of numbers uh, that are very, very impressive. And, again, quarterback play is going to be pivotal. And a couple of more Auburn guys I wanted to mention on, too, um, a couple of receivers in particular. Redshirt sophomore wide receiver Matthew Hill is going to be moving to cornerback as well. Um, as uh, Jason Sheffield, who's going to maybe move to to corner. They the, the, Hill was graded at originally as a four-star prospect and really good receiver in the 18 class. He played only sparingly, caught only eight passes for 46 yards last year. Uh, obviously, Auburn loses each of their starting cornerbacks from a season ago, and while both the receivers return, uh, there may be a little bit more playing time in the secondary, along with McCreary. So. Uh, look for Hill to make the possibly make the move, and then uh, Jason Sheffield may be moved as well. Um, obviously, is Igobine and uh, Davis leaving early? Six one one seventy eight. It's another former four star prospect that was an athlete, that two way player coming out of college. So the move to corner makes some sense, just from a depth standpoint. Now, obviously, not having a true spring, you'd like to get it to get a chance to take a look at these guys and see how that might play out, but that we know that has not been the case. All right, folks, we appreciate you joining us today. Reminder, again, flip on over to listen to us on the Pro Football Show as we'll get you up to date on all the latest with draft preparations, free agency, what's going on there. Um, The countdown is on, and uh, make sure you join us tomorrow for ACC Football and Beyond. Check out our good friends at 401k Generation. Will you license in all 50 states? Give them a call. Give them a text at 1-866-998-5879. And check out LandryFootball.com. All the draft boards and scouting reports and all the inside information on the pro game, the college game, is up there for you. So take advantage of it. The scouting season offer, the best one we've ever had over at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of it today, uh, less than $5 a month. So see you over at LandryFootball.com. And remember, as we tape this show, there's usually some news and notes that will break. So you want to make sure that you combine listening to this podcast as well as the Pro Football Podcast with a membership to LandryFootball.com. Appreciate you joining us. Check you out on the Pro Show and check you out tomorrow for ACC Football and Beyond. I'm Chris Landry.